Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Remember that time Seattle Socialist City Council member Shama Sawant pressed for the city to increase its minimum wage to $15 per hour? I actually debated Sawant on the issue. I asked her if she'd be in favor of raising the minimum wage to $1,000 per hour. She misdirected, obviously. Seattle actually ended up embracing $13 per hour, raising the minimum wage from $9.47 in 2014 to $11 in 2015 to $13 in 2016, under the theory that an increase wouldn't throw people out of work, wouldn't encourage part-time hiring, and would inflate salaries enough to allow more affordability in the Seattle housing market. A new study demonstrates that, as usual, central planning of the economy leads to precisely the reverse of the results the, plan the central planners seek to achieve. According to a new paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research, quote, using a variety of methods to analyze employment in all sectors paying below a specified real hourly wage, we conclude that the second wage increase to 13 bucks reduced hours worked in low-wage jobs by around 9%, while hourly wages in such jobs increased by only around 3%. Consequently, total payroll fell for such jobs, implying that the minimum wage ordinance lowered low-wage employees' earnings by an average of $125 per month in 2016. Evidence attributes more modest effects to the first wage increase. We estimate an effect of zero when analyzing employment in the restaurant industry at all wage levels, comparable to many prior studies. In other words, Restaurants didn't fire anybody. They just put them on part-time shifts and cut back their hours. That shouldn't be a surprise, since that's exactly what happens every time the government places an extra burden on employers. One of the great myths of minimum wage movement, and the central planning movement as a whole, is that business owners aren't operating at a slim margin, but raking in dollars to hide in their Scrooge McDuck money bins, depleting the potential income of their employees. But that's not true. Thanks to competition, and competition is fierce in industries that employ minimum wage workers, profit margins are never enormous. Even in 2013, a booming year for the restaurant business, Capital IQ estimated the average profit margin for restaurants at 2.4%. Profitability varies by chain as well and by local franchise. Even leftists were taken aback by Seattle's sizable minimum wage increase. Jared Bernstein of the Leftist Center on Budget and Policy Priorities derided the minimum wage increases in Seattle as, quote, beyond moderate, extreme, in other words. But he admitted, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You have to test it. You have to scrutinize it, which is why Seattle's a great test case. Or you could leave the market alone, since testing markets by cramming down interventionism puts people out of work at least part-time. Here are the facts. Seattle barely had any jobs under the $11 threshold before the legislation passed. But that wasn't true of $13 an hour jobs. And the regulations essentially priced a good deal of full-time low-wage labor out of the market. Furthermore, the economy right now in Seattle is strong. What happens during a downturn when businesses have to shed costs? Government intervention isn't the answer to the free market. The free market is the answer to the free market. But don't expect the left to admit they're not merely punishing evil businessmen. They're skewing the entire labor market and hurting a broad swath of people, including minimum wage employees. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. 
So many things to talk about. The Supreme Court has come down with a number of rulings today. Some are really good. Some are really not so good. We'll talk about all of them. Plus, the media are desperately upset about the fact that the Trump-Russia collusion thing is falling apart. Democrats don't know how to handle it either. And we'll talk about Trump care. But before we get to any of that, we first have to say thank you to our sponsors over at Texture.com. So this is a service that I just love. Instead of having to subscribe to a bajillion different magazines and pay a separate fee for each, instead of having to subscribe to The New Yorker, Time, The Atlantic, Vanity Fair, instead, you get them all in one app called Texture. With Texture, you get access to 200 plus magazines full of in-depth interviews and stories, all in that Texture app right there on your tablet or phone. Right now, if you go to texture.com slash Ben, you get a 14-day free trial when you go to texture.com slash Ben. It's normally $9.99 a month, and you get 200 magazines. So, you know, for what you'd be paying for probably two magazines, you're getting 200. But if you sign up right now at texture.com slash Ben, you get a 14-day free trial. You get access to all of their back catalog. My wife gets Reader's Digest through Texture. I get Sports Illustrated, again, sometimes through Texture. But you don't have to subscribe to any one magazine. Instead, all you have to do is check out all of them at once, right? You get access to all of these magazines. We're talking National Geographic, Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, Cosmopolitan, Time Magazine, People Magazine. It's just fantastic. If you're addicted to information, texture.com is for you. Texture.com slash Ben. You get that 14-day free trial. Again, that is texture.com slash Ben. Uh, texture app is just fantastic. It was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps, and for good reason. Start that free trial now, and you'll enjoy it so much, I promise, that you'll keep coming back. Texture.com slash Ben. Use the slash Ben also so they know that we sent you, uh, and they continue to advertise with the program. Okay, so let's begin with the big news of the day, which is that President Trump's travel ban has largely been upheld at the Supreme Court level. So, The Supreme Court issued a ruling on Monday morning that would grant petitions for certiorari and grant stay applications in part on President Trump's travel ban. So basically, here's what happened. President Trump had his travel ban. His travel ban said that he was going to ban travel for indefinitely from these six majority Muslim countries and put a 90-day hold on immigration uh, so that he could get a better handle on vetting procedures. That 90-day period has basically expired by now, and we're supposed to get a plan anytime now. But the travel ban was designed really to prevent the importation of Syrian refugees. It was designed to prevent the importation of people from countries like Yemen, where we don't know anything about the people. And the courts, the lower courts, you recall, had ruled that this was improper, that it was discrimination based on religion, which is asinine, because again, you do not have constitutional rights if you live outside the United States and are not a United States citizen or green card holder. So if you're just some random dude on a hilltop in Yemen, you do not have the right to enter the country. And you'll recall the rulings were so stupid that they went back to the campaign and they quoted Trump's tweets and they said, really what this is, it's an impermissible attempt to ban Islam. Well, now it gets to the Supreme Court level and the Supreme Court says, listen, we'll have a full hearing on the travel ban in October, but for now, all these lower court rulings are really dumb. So the court consolidated the various cases on the travel ban for hearing in October, and the court relieved temporary injunctions issued by those lower courts regarding people attempting to enter the country who, quote, lack any bona fide relationship with people with a person or entity in the United States. So there were two types of people who had filed injunctions against this particular travel ban. Injunction seeking person number one was the guy who has a mother-in-law in Yemen and he wants her to come in from Yemen. So the court says that person still has an injunction. So that person can still bring mother-in-law in. But the people who did not get an injunction are the universities. So universities uh, sued and they said, well, if we can't draw from Yemen, then we're really going to just destroy the diversity of our universities. We need more people from Yemen who are unvetted. Otherwise, how the hell are we going to staff up this engineering department? It was always a silly argument, but the courts basically said this is a super silly argument because 
you may think you have an interest in bringing in unvetted immigration, but that the government has the power over immigration, you don't. And so you can't just say random person from Yemen who might or might not apply needs to come into the country so that we can let him in. That's not the way that this works. So effectively, this means the court tossed the cases brought by the universities, but left in place specific injunctions against preventing importation of relatives of American citizens from abroad. So basically, Trump's travel ban has been vindicated in the main. Uh, There's no standing for the vast majority of people who are suing. The travel ban is probably going to remain. Even the leftist judges didn't have much to say about, oh, Trump is obviously an Islamophobe, and that's what all this is about. So Trump ends up with a win on the travel ban, Uh, a bit of a surprise result, given the fact that all the lower courts had been using this as a club to wield against Trump. Uh, Now, there are a lot of people today who are saying that Justice Gorsuch on the Supreme Court is the swing vote in a lot of these cases. He is not the swing vote in virtually any of these cases. Um, So he, he replaced Justice Scalia, obviously, the swing vote is still Justice Kennedy in the vast majority of these cases. So that was case number one. Very, very good for the Trump administration. That is a win for the Trump administration. They are rightly crawling about it today as well. They should because the lower courts are ridiculous. The lower courts were always ridiculous. So good for the Trump administration for standing by its second executive order um, and good for the court mostly for ignoring all of the stupidity of the lower court. So that is ruling number one. That was that was the big news this morning. Then there is ruling number two. This one is also good news, but not quite as good news as some people on the right are saying. This is a ruling seven to two that says that states cannot prohibit public funding to churches simply because they're churches. So in this case, there's a case surrounding a playground at Trinity Lutheran Child Church Child Learning Center over in Mississippi. And there's a law on the books in Mississippi that said that churches cannot apply for public funding because of separation of church and state. The Supreme Court says you can't discriminate against churches that way if the funding is available to everyone just because there's a religious institution or person, that doesn't mean that you can discriminate against that religious institution or person. The opinion was delivered by Chief Justice Roberts. It had concurrences by Justice Thomas and Gorsuch. Only the far-left Justice Sotomayor and Ginsburg dissented. That means that Kennedy and even Kagan voted on behalf of the idea that churches should be allowed to receive public money for a playground, which is what this was. This church applied for a rubberized playground And the state said, no, even though you're a good applicant, we're not going to allow you because you're a church. And so the court said, no, you're not allowed to do that. The the key line in the decision says the exclusion of Trinity Lutheran from a public benefit for which it is otherwise qualified solely because it is a church is odious to our Constitution and cannot stand. So... There is a, so people are very excited about this case. There are a couple of things that make me less excited about the case. One, there's significant limitation on the case's scope. So footnote three to this, ca- this case is a bizarre footnote. And it says, this case really only applies to playground resurfacing. So it doesn't apply to anything else. It doesn't apply to, for example, your church, you want public funding for a, for a religious outreach program, or even easier, you want school vouchers so that you can fund student education, and as part of that education, there's some religious education. The court did not rule on that, and the court refused to rule on that, which is a problem, because the court should rule on that. This is a very easy, obvious thing. If vouchers are available to you to go wherever you want, why should we exclude religious institutions from that? Judge Gorsuch's concurrence hits on precisely this point. He says, the court leaves open the possibility a useful distinction might be drawn between laws that discriminate on the basis of religious status and religious use. Respectfully, I harbor doubts about the stability of such a line. Is it a religious group that built the playground, or did a group build the playground so it might be used to advance a religious mission? So again, Gorsuch's main concern here is that the court is going to come back with school vouchers and say, well, 
sure, we don't really want to discriminate against churches, but the church is trying to push religion, and we can't foster the church in pushing religion, so no school vouchers. That's what the court is leaving the door open to. Gorsuch says, and this is the, this is the most important line of his concurrence. Gorsuch, by the way, is terrific. He said, listen, he's so ter- I said he was terrific at the time. I mean, as soon as Trump appointed him, I, f- I wore a freaking MAGA hat on the show. Gorsuch says the Constitution, quote, guarantees the free exercise of religion, not just the right to inward belief. Generally, the government may not force people to choose between participation in a public program and their right to free exercise of religion. I don't see what it should matter whether we describe that benefit, say, as close to Lutherans by status or close to people who do Lutheran things by use. It is free exercise either way. There's also another issue that is related and that's because the Supreme Court's about to take it up. So the Supreme Court is about to take up another case, and this is the gay baker, the, the, the gay wedding cake case, right? So there's a bakery that in Colorado that will not cater a gay wedding, and the Colorado government has tried to persecute that bakery. And the bakers say, well, that's a violation of our freedom of religion. So Gorsuch is concerned, and you can see that he's concerned, that the court is about to decide whether businesses can operate in a religious manner congruent with free exercise if they don't serve gay couples' cakes, for example. So Gorsuch's point is that the court is leaving the door open to arguing that a state is not discriminating against a religious person, but only against doing religious things. Right? So just like in this case, the court is saying, well, the, the, the church was not doing a religious thing, so they can apply for the grant. They would also say, well, you know, when you operate a bakery, you're not doing a religious thing, and therefore we can crack down on you. That is dangerous logic because the fact is that religion does pervade all the things that religious people do. Okay, here is the fact. As a religious person, everything I do in my life is pervaded by a certain religious sensibility and mission. Okay, because that's true of everyone who's religious. If you're a secularist, then your motivating ideology is secularism and what you do is motivated by your secularism. If you're a religious person, especially if you're a practicing Jew, for example, every time you eat, every time you serve food, every time you say thanks and grace for serving food, you know, does that mean that you are now doing something that is forbidden or at least the government can bar because it's religious activity? I'm not, I'm not discriminating against you as a religious person. I'm just saying you can't be religious outside of the church. That doesn't wash, and that's what Gorsuch is saying. The left, by the way, would like to steamroll all religious practice into private. Justice Kagan is trying to say, well, running a playground isn't religious anyway, so it's a, it's a moot point. But the, the pedal is going to hit the metal when it comes to actual religious belief dictating how you behave, which is true of the vast majority of religious people. Okay, so then there is a third Supreme Court case, and this one's getting a lot less attention, but this one is just totally crazy. So on Monday, the Supreme Court declared that birth certificates were no longer designed to list the biological parents of children. So over in Arkansas, they had a law that says that a married husband and wife or the biological parents of a child are listed on the birth certificate. The reason a married couple, husband and wife, are listed on the birth certificate is because they are presumably the biological parents of the child. And because of that, there's a provision in, in Arkansas law that says that if there's artificial insemination, we make an, we make an exception and we allow the non-biological parents but the, the married parents to be listed on the birth certificate. Now, there's a couple of lesbian couples and they got their birth certificates. They were able to list their names on the birth certificates under the artificial insemination portion of the law, right? They were allowed to, the, the, that portion of the law that applied only to men and women was struck down. They said that this is... It's obvious that if we can list non-biological parents for artificial insemination, we will do that for heterosexual couples and for gay couples. But that wasn't enough for the lesbian couples. The lesbian couples wanted to get their birth certificates not under the guise of the artificial insemination criteria, but under the guise instead of normal biological parenting ideas. 
So the state of Arkansas rightly pointed out that the state of Arkansas had already issued valid birth certificates listing each child's biological mother and her spouse, and that the artificial insemination statute applied to same-sex couples, but that wasn't enough. So Arkansas, based on the rules of human biology, had determined that heterosexual spouses were typically the biological parents of their children. In fact, in Arkansas, quote, where a court determines that someone besides the spouse is a child's father, or alternatively, the mother, husband, and putative father attest that the putative father is the child's biological father, that putative biological father must be listed on a child's birth certificate. So if they find out in a court proceeding or something that the, the child is not, the, the, the paternity of the child is in question, they actually list the biological father. Why? Because the purpose of a birth certificate is not just a marriage certificate. It is not a legal guardianship certificate. A birth certificate is designed so that a child can later go back and look up who are the biological parents. That is the purpose. Why? Because, for example, my good friend Andrew Breitbart, right, when he died, it turned out that he had a congenital heart defect. Well, he would have known that if he had looked at presumably his California birth certificate, which supposedly was supposed to list not just his mom, but also his dad. I don't know if it listed his dad, but he didn't know who his dad was. Presumably his dad had some sort of congenital heart defect. One of the purposes of having a birth certificate is that children can go back and look at the health issues that have impacted their parents. And that is one of the reasons for a birth certificate. But the court says, no, it hurts the feelings of gay people. And therefore, we have to issue birth certificates to same-sex spouses regardless of biological parentage, not under the artificial insemination statute, but under the general birth certificate statute. So birth certificates are basically just another legal guardianship document now, uh, or a second marriage certificate with a kid's name on it. Justices Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas, the three conservatives on the court, they dissented. As they uh, as well they should have. One of the things I hate, just as a general note, is I hate these these term ending decisions. It's just monarchic. It's it's aristocratic, and I hate it. This idea that the Supreme Court gets to sit there on high and then determine your rights and my rights is really stupid. We talked about the issue of judicial review and the idea of this infallible Supreme Court. Uh, we discussed that a couple of weeks ago on Big Ideas on Thursday. But the fact is that. There's a much better case that legislatures should be allowed to do more and the Supreme Court should be allowed to do less rather than we sit around and wait to hear whether Justice Kennedy took his brand this morning, which is basically what the Supreme Court amounts to. There's this monarchic crap where all of the media outlets line up to get the, the dicta from the Supreme Court, to get the opinions from the Supreme Court, and they line up and then they just wait eagerly to hear what these all-wise beings have to say about the Constitution – there's a reason that separate officers of the court and of the legislature and the president all swear an oath to the Constitution. That is, that the Constitution was not supposed to be the sole repository of the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, that's what it has become. Okay, so before we continue here, I want to talk about the media's frustration with the fact that Trump is continuing to get some policy things done. Like now he's actually starting to, to get some policy things done. At least the travel ban was now upheld by the Supreme Court. It looks like Trump care is going to move through the Senate. And the media is frustrated because they don't know how to handle all of this. Like, Trump is unpopular, but they don't understand why that isn't stopping the EPA from rolling back regulations. We'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Zeal. So, Zeal is a fantastic service. Zeal, if you need a massage right now, you download the Zeal app or you go to zeal.com. And what they do is they make sure that a licensed masseuse comes to your house. They bring the table. They bring the music. They, need the, they bring the massage oils. You schedule it yourself. You prepay. It is seven days a week, 365 days a year. A Zeal massage therapist can be at your door in as little as an hour. Privacy, convenience, quality, and comfort. You go Go to zeal.com or to zeal's iphone or android app that zeal is z-e-e-l and you select from the top local licensed pre-screened massage therapist choose your favorite technique your gender preference time location for your massage bring the spot to you try zeal today they're on demand 
Uh, we've used it at my house. I've used Zeal. My wife has used Zeal. My, uh, my parents have used Zeal. My sister has used Zeal. My mother-in-law has used Zeal. That was a great present. We were supposed to get a Zeal massage, and uh, I just gave it to my mother-in-law. Definitely made our relationship a lot better. Uh, Zeal.com is fantastic. It's a great gift for people. Z-E-E-L.com right now to help you get started. You get $25 off your first massage. like a quarter off your first massage by using the promo code Ben at checkout. It's cheaper, more convenient than a spa. It gets better. If you sign up for that Zeal Massage membership, then you get 20% off all your massages plus a free massage table and sheet set, which is a $380 value. Yours free. There's no initiation fee to join the membership. Just terrific savings on top of the $25 discount you're going to get when you use promo code Ben. So go to Zeal, Z-E-E-L dot com or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app. Use that promo code Ben at checkout. Get $25 off your first in-home on-demand massage. Again, they have 8,000 masseuses all across the nation, all of them licensed. It's just fantastic, super convenient, great gift. Zeal.com and use that promo code Ben. Okay, so the media is obviously frustrated because despite all of their focus on Trump Russia, they haven't been able to stop anything. And it's funny, three weeks ago when there was a lot of news about Comey and Trump Russia and all this stuff and Fox News was ignoring the news, then the ratings for Fox News went down. CNN lately has been ignoring the real news that's happening in the universe in order to continue to focus on Trump Russia, and their ratings are now down. The, no, the rule of the story is, as we here believe at the Ben Shapiro Show, is you cover the news. You don't decide what news is important based on who you would like to win. There is news that is important, and there is news that is not important, and that news remains important despite your own political partisan interests. CNN doesn't understand that. So CNN is very frustrated. They're very angry because Fox and Friends had an interview with Trump. And granted, it's a typical Fox and Friends interview. It's just a softball interview with President Trump. Brian Stelter at CNN, who hates Trump, uh, he came out and he said this is just an infomercial. The bottom line is that you might look at this and see propaganda from Fox. I prefer to think of it as an infomercial. Fox and Friends is selling a product. Of course, it's in the guise of a news talk show, just like something on QVC or HSN or all those channels. Now, hey, it's a free country, but viewers should recognize what product Fox is selling. But the bottom line... Okay, so obviously, Brian Stelter, very, very upset about this. Of course, all of us here on the right were saying, well, where were you for eight years while the media was just puckering up for Obama? I mean, here's a flashback montage of just some of the questions that Obama was asked during his time as president. You've racked up a lot of wins in the last few weeks that a lot of people thought would be difficult to come by. Are you ready to call yourself the comeback kid? Uh, it seems that you've built up some political capital for the remaining months of your presidency. I'm curious how you want to use it. Uh, what hard things do you want to tackle at this point? During these first 100 days, what has surprised you the most about this office, enchanted you the most about serving in this office, humbled you the most, and troubled you the most? Now, let me write this down. <laughs> Golf. What does it do for you? First of all, I'm terrible. I'm horrible. Um, Worst thing I ever started. Best thing I've ever done. In this fatherless world, where did you learn to love? In the race for the White House, punching the president is par for the course. Republican hopefuls take shots at Mr. Obama in their debates. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. This is better than Barack Obama. But when President Obama is asked to respond, he often settles on this well-rehearsed line. I am going to make a practice of not commenting on uh, whatever is said. Okay, it's just crazy. I mean, obviously, the, you all remember, the media bias was just insane in favor of Obama. Now they're mad that there's media bias in favor of Trump because they think you have to universally be on the anti-Trump page in order to make all this happen. And that's why they're so bewildered, because 
after months and months, after a year of coverage almost on the Trump-Russia stuff, it turns out there is nothing there. And not only is there nothing there, it turns out that the blowback is actually affecting the guy who they loved, President Obama, Adam Schiff. Uh, Representative Schiff from out here in California, who's been hot and heavy on the Trump-Russia stuff, even he is now being forced to acknowledge that it's Obama who blew it on the Russia investigation, that if really there was a problem of Trump-Russia, Obama should have announced it much earlier. They're so mad. They can't help it. It's a big problem for them, and I'll explain why in a second. Did Obama fail in his duty to this nation? I think the Obama administration should have done a lot more when it became clear that not only was Russia intervening, but it was uh, being directed at the highest levels of the Kremlin uh, and indeed, uh, Senator Feinstein and I were repeatedly trying to make that case to the administration initially when they didn't want to make attribution, they didn't want to pu publicly talk about Russia's role. Uh, and later, uh, after we issued our own statement uh, and they did attribute uh, the conduct to Russia, I was urging that they begin then the process of sanctioning Russia, the administration talking more forcefully. Given the seriousness of this, I think the administration needed to call out Russia earlier needed to act to deter and punish Russia earlier. Okay, so now he's mad at Obama. And this is the way that this is going to work all the way through, right? So the Democrats were talking Trump-Russia, Trump-Russia, Trump-Russia. Then it turns out that Obama knew about Trump-Russia and didn't say anything about Trump-Russia for two reasons. One, he felt he didn't have enough information yet, supposedly. And two, because he was afraid that if he said anything, it would blow back on Hillary because there'd be suggestions that Obama was trying to rig the election for Hillary Clinton. In any case, the Democrats are, are just in complete disarray over the Trump-Russia stuff, but one wing of the party has no choice but to continue talking about it. I'll explain why in a second, but for that, you have to go over to dailywire.com, become a subscriber. For $8 a month, you too can become a subscriber to dailywire.com. That changes July 10th, by the way, so if you want to lock in that rate right now, dailywire.com, become a subscriber right now for $8 a month. The rates are rising on July 10th out of demand, so make sure that you go and you become a subscriber right now. You can be part of the mailbag, which we do on Fridays. You can be part of the live show. You can see Clavin's live show, be part of his mailbag. We have some other shows that are coming, which are going to be awesome. We're excited to announce those in the very near future. If you get an annual subscription, you get a free signed copy of this year's book by me and my father. Say it so, Papa, Dad, me, and the 2005 White Sox Championship season all about baseball and fathers and sons and it's just a lot of fun you get a free signed copy when you become an annual subscriber right now over at dailywire.com again do it right now lock in your rates so that you don't end up with the higher rate if you try to subscribe after july 10th rates are not changing for people who are already subscribed so make sure that you lock in that rate right now check it out over at dailywire.com we are the largest conservative podcast in the nation So the biggest problem for Democrats on this Trump-Russia stuff is that one half of the party wants to stop talking about it, and the other half of the party desperately does not want to stop talking about it because it's a great fundraiser, and it also keeps their base motivated. So remember, everybody on the left voted for Hillary and gave money to Hillary, and they don't want to acknowledge that she lost. You remember in the latter days of the election, there was a lot of talk about would Trump accept the results of the election. Hillary supporters still have not accepted the results of the election, and so they continue to relitigate this thing. The only way to relitigate this thing is by arguing that Trump stole it. And so Nancy Pelosi is still raising tons of money. Maxine Waters still raising an enormous amount of money off of the idea that this is some sort of stolen election cycle. And that is a major problem for them. It's a major problem because they now have a disconnect, a serious disconnect, between the the side of the party that wants to win based on votes and the side of the party that wants to raise money and thinks that if they just jazz up their base, they're going to win. That's not going to stop anytime soon. And so they continue talking about it, even though they really shouldn't. The fact is voters don't care about the Trump-Russia stuff. It looks desperate. It looks stupid at this point. 
and the kind of Hail Mary hope that Democrats have that they're going to impeach Trump based on some sort of obstruction of an event that never occurred in the first place, namely collusion, uh, is just that. Meanwhile, there is one way in which President Trump could get himself in trouble, and that is by pushing bad policy. I have to say, I think the hubbub over Trump care is so overblown because the fact is Democrats have an interest in claiming this is the end of the world and Republicans have an interest in pretending that they're not promulgating Obamacare and both things are false. Okay, number one, it is basically a duplicate of Obamacare in every way except for Medicaid reform and the taxes. Uh, So it keeps all of the Obamacare regulations. That is the core of Obamacare. Once you keep the regulations, you have to find a way to pay for it. That's either going to come through cuts or it's going to come through tax increases or it's going to come through a mandate. Those are the only three possibilities. Republicans have opted for cuts. Democrats have opted for tax increases and mandates, right? That's the only division here. All of these things are are foolish. The cuts to Medicaid aren't foolish, but those should have been done on their own, not connected with Obamacare per se, because now it looks like you're maintaining the mandate on insurance companies. But at the same time, it also looks like you are slashing the services for the most needy, right? That's the way Democrats are playing this thing. It looks like Republicans are opting for tax cuts over helping the poor. That's the way Democrats are playing this thing. All of this goes back to, and and they're fighting this battle out passionately, but never has a battle been fought more passionately over things that are so relatively small. Because the problem here is that President Trump undercut throughout the campaign and continues to undercut the case for actually repealing Obamacare. He just wants to trim around the edges, call it Trump care and call it a day. You know, President Trump came out during his weekly address and he said that the Obamacare death spiral is a disaster. Here's what Trump had to say. These families and so many others are victims of a catastrophic law that is wreaking havoc on our health care system and our families. Democrats in Congress created this calamity. And now, if we don't act, millions more Americans will be hurt by Obamacare's deepening death spiral. Americans were promised lower premiums, more choices, and better access. Instead, premiums have doubled nationwide, and insurers are still fleeing the market that Obamacare has nearly destroyed. Americans in nearly one-third of all counties have only one insurer to choose from on the exchanges, and many markets okay, all of this may is soon. True. All of this is true, but he talks about how the Obamacare death spiral is going to hurt millions of people. You know what exacerbates the Obamacare death spiral? Getting rid of the mandate and the taxes. It exacerbates the Obamacare death spiral because none of the insurance companies are going to be able to pay for all of this. They're going to continue pulling out of the exchanges or they're going to raise their rates dramatically, increase the premiums dramatically. The attempt to keep the premiums down by somehow subsidizing in in sort of backdoor fashion all these giveaways. Obama was doing the giveaways for most of his administration. The premiums were rising anyway. And Trump himself, he's obviously embraced all of this to the extent. I mean, this is so silly. President Trump, who right now is pushing for what he is calling Obamacare repeal, is saying that Obama called Trumpcare mean. Trump says, well, I called it mean before Obama. Obama stole my line. He stole the line. I, you think he came up with the word mean by himself? I invented the word mean. It didn't exist until I said it. Explain. Go. Some people might say it's, the lever of anger is unprecedented, but it's also unprecedented for a former president to come out the way President Obama has. He came out on Facebook uh, recently, you may have seen it. He said, your bill, Mr. President, not a health care bill. It's a massive transfer of wealth. It's going to harm Americans. It's mean. What do you say to the former president? Well, he actually used my that? term, mean. That was my term, because I want to see, I want to see, and I speak from the heart. That's what I want to see. I want to see a bill with heart. He used my term mean, you know, the bill that I, w- that I signed, the one that, that it, I didn't sign it because it wasn't a bill, but I'd celebrated at the White House. We had, it was pictures and celebrations. It, people, it was unbelievable. It was just spectacular. But I hated it. It was mean. 
but I loved it because it was great, but it was me. You understand? And I said it. Obama didn't say it. I said it. What? 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 And this is, herein lies the problem. Republicans and Democrats both agree that the government should run the health care system. They just disagree as to over whether they should trim around the edges in certain ways. They all agree with this. And this is why Republicans are going to be trapped into supporting single-payer in pretty short order. Okay, all of this is just slowly devolving towards single-payer health care, either on the British model or the Swiss model. If we're going to have a model, we should do it along the Swiss model. We should have a mandate. We should bring back the mandate. If we're going to do government-involved health care and you want, you want to do it best in the most market free fashion, then the free market fashion, you should do it uh, in the way that we do car insurance. uh, And you should actually do Obamacare, right? You should basically do Obamacare times three, and you should do it the way the Swiss do it, where the Swiss basically mandate that you spend a certain amount of money on your on your health insurance. They I think it's eight percent of your income has to be spent at a maximum on your health insurance. Anything above that the government helps cover. Uh, and, the, and the penalty uh, is that you will have to, they will seize that amount of money from you if you do not pay for your health insurance yourself. Uh, and then they have a free market in, in insurance and the insurance companies compete for those dollars. Right? That's basically the way that it works in Switzerland. But the government shouldn't be involved in this at all because it's not the government's job to force you to buy things. Okay? It is unconstitutional. It is against the nature of, the, of a free republic for the government to force you to buy things that it wants you to buy. And health insurance, unlike car insurance, where you don't have to drive. You do have to live, right? And so the idea that if you are living, if you are breathing, you must buy health insurance, uh, it's just, it's, it's counter to notions of freedom. But once you accept that it's the government's job to make sure that everybody has health insurance, that it is the government's job to ensure that everybody has health care, it's not your job to ensure that you can pay for it, it's not your job to keep yourself healthy, it's not your job to make sure that you make responsible decisions, then you're going to end up inevitably with a single-payer system. This is how Jimmy Kimmel's rhetoric works. If you accept the premise that government's job is to take care of everybody, then Jimmy Kimmel's shtick makes sense. Right? He, he just tweeted out, Reminder for Senator Bill Cassidy. Kimmel test is, no family should be denied medical care, emergency or otherwise, because they can't afford it. Okay, well, the Jimmy Kimmel test is basically the Bernie Sanders test. Right? If the idea is that no one should ever be denied medical care because you can't afford it, then how exactly do you propose to allocate the various resources? Okay, there's no way to make that work. The fact is that markets are created by scarcity. Markets are just about distribution of scarce resources and incentivization to increase the amount of resources dedicated toward alleviating that scarcity. I'll say that again more slowly because this is what markets are for. What markets assume is that there is scarcity of resources. There are three apples and four people. And the way that we make more apples is we create an incentive for people to make more apples by paying them more through a competition in who is going to pay for the apples. So you have more apple growers who are providing apples in order to compete for the dollar. You want to generate more care, you need more competition, not less competition. But if you believe that the scarce resource is as scarce as it's going to get. That basically there's three doctors. There will never be any more doctors. We can't generate any more doctors, and we're not going to convince any doctors to drop out. Then it just becomes a question of how do you distribute those doctors. But Jimmy Kimmel's test, no family should be denied medical care because they can't afford it. How do you expect to get the, the, the surgeon who operated on Jimmy Kimmel's kid? How do you expect Dr. Starnes to operate on your kid? Yeah, I know because he was the surgeon on my kid. How do you expect Dr. Starnes to do this if he's not making a million dollars a year? Because the fact is that he has to allocate his resources somehow. And how do you expect to get more surgeons like Dr. Starnes? Dr. Starnes can't perform every heart surgery in America. He's not capable of doing that. No one is capable of doing that. The way that you make sure that there are more surgeons like Dr. Starnes is by incentivizing them. The way that you incentivize them is not by either blowing out the cost through government or by rationing the care. 
The way that you incentivize it is through a free market system that naturally allows these doctors to make more money and pushes them to go to medical school. Yeah, that's what all of this is about. But again, once you assume that it's the government's job to take care of everybody, then you've created a status quo whereby anybody who shrinks the size of government kills people. And this is Bernie Sanders' shtick. So Bernie Sanders comes out and he says, because of the new Trump care, because of Trump care, everyone is going to die. Do you understand? Thousands of people are going to die. I will be in my room eating a pudding cup, but I too may die because of lack of health care. Because, by the way, Bernie Sanders, it's amazing. All the talk about FBI investigation. Now, Bernie Sanders and his wife are under FBI investigation uh, for a supposed fraud regarding how his wife treated a university in Vermont. So that means that three out of the four major candidates, well done, America, three out of the four major candidates for president of the United States were under FBI investigation, the sole exception apparently being Ted Cruz. So they just, just well done, everybody. Just spectacular job. Anyway, Bernie Sanders said, thousands of people are going to die thanks to Trump care. Here, let us be clear, this is not trying uh, to be overly dramatic. Thousands of people will die if the Republican health care bill becomes law. Orrin Hatch retweeted you and said, the brief time when we were not accusing those we disagree with of murder was nice while it lasted. Any regrets at using the rhetoric you no, used, Chuck, considering what Senator Chuck, Hatch said? Chuck, what the Republican proposal does is throw 23 million Americans off of health insurance. What Harvard University, what a part of Harvard University and the scientists there determined is when you throw 23 million people off of health insurance, people with cancer, people with heart disease, people with diabetes, thousands of people will die. I wish I didn't have to say it. This is not me. This is study after study making this point. It is common sense. Okay, this if is you not have true. Cancer, okay, first of all, first of all, it is not true. Okay, the reason that it is not true is because Medicaid doesn't actually impact your ability to live longer. Obamacare has not increased life expectancy. Life expectancy went down last year in the United States. Obamacare has not made life expectancy better. In fact, there's a very solid case, a very solid statistical case, that the Affordable Care Act, that Obamacare actually exacerbated the opioid crisis by giving people greater access to the opioids they get addicted to. The opioid crisis has actually reached epidemic levels in precisely the states that have expanded Obamacare the most, which is pretty incredible. But again, this is it. But if you assume that government coverage equals you're going to live longer, then this is where you end up. And then you can accuse those you oppose of murder. And both parties have fallen into it now. John Kasich, oh, God, no, please, God, no, not John Kasich. Yes, John Kasich. He says neither party cares about health care. If we all agreed about health care, then basically he then embraces the Bernie Sanders plan. I don't think we have enough leadership. I think there are too many people that cower, uh, you know, in the in the wings because of partisanship, not just Republicans, Democrats as well. If you try to get a great number of governors, Republican or Democrat, to speak out on this, where are they? All you hear are crickets and chirping because they're they're, they're worried about upsetting their base or getting Dana, or getting ads run against them like is, that. Pardon? Or well, having I mean, ads so what? Then get that if you can't take a fastball on the inside, get out of politics. If you can't take a pitch thrown at you and you can't get out of the batter's box. Oh, crazy quit. yes, John Kasich. Don't, don't, don't want to listen to him anymore. I'm all done with John Kasich. But John Kasich doing this routine, he expanded Obamacare in his state. Uh, so, of course, you basically, this is what's so ironic about this whole thing. Never have the two sides been more uh, heightened in terms of partisan divide. And never have the two sides been closer together on issues of policy like Trump care and Obamacare, right? I mean, they're beating each other bloody over the basic idea that they agree on. And which neither should hold because it's stupid, right? But both of them agree on the basic principle that 
the insurance company should be forced to cover pre-existing conditions and that the government should basically cover everyone. And now the only question is how we get there. But they agree on that. And then they're beating each other bloody over it, which suggests to me that so much of politics now is just about the sound and the fury signifying nothing. That, yes, there are disagreements about marginal top tax rates. But when it comes to foreign policy, I'm not seeing a huge gap between the parties on foreign policy. In most cases, it seems like the Trump administration has basically followed the Obama administration's lead uh, on foreign policy. They've recast it with regard to Iran. That is the major distinction. But on a bunch of other issues, I'm not really seeing how things have changed radically on foreign policy. When it comes to Obamacare, I don't see how it's changed radically. On regulations, it's changed radically. Uh, In terms of Judge Gorsuch, it's changed radically. But in terms of Trump care, it hasn't changed radically, and yet the parties are beating each other bloody, which suggests to me that a lot of this is kabuki theater, that these people feel very passionately about the smallest about the smallest things. It's sort of like a faculty lounge. Never have so many people fought so hard over so little. Okay, and you can hear, I mean, Chuck Schumer saying, this is war. What's war? What's war? That Medicaid gets to expand until 2021, and then we're going to spend $500 billion on it by 2026 as opposed to $600 billion on it by 2026? Here's Chuck Schumer. The The only way you can get on a bill is what's called the motion to proceed. Now, usually you need 60 votes, so they need eight Democratic votes. In this case, you only need 52 because they're doing this process reconciliation. Our whole focus, if McConnell will bring this up right before July 4th, is to get three votes against the motion to proceed. And we think we have a damn good chance. But this is full-scale warfare. This is the most important advancement since probably Medicare in terms of helping people. And we're not going to be complacent or go along or business as usual in any way, any way, both before and after the motion to proceed. War, 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 war. Okay, again, you're fighting a war over very little, and yet you are claiming that it is a war over everything. Again, I think the Medicaid stuff is good. I think the tax cuts are good, but to pretend that this bill is anything but Obamacare light is just silly. Okay, time for some things I like, then some things I hate. So, things I like. This week, I'm going to recommend to you other podcasts that I enjoy. Uh, the podcast, one of the podcasts I enjoy is from my friend Dana Perino and Chris Steyerwalt over at Fox News. I'll tell you what, it's fun to listen to. Uh, it's, it's really kind of cozy to listen to. It's very friendly to listen to. Uh, Dana and Chris really know what they're talking about. Uh, and between Dana's knowledge of how the White Sox, uh, the, the White House, the White Sox, the White House works, uh, and Chris's knowledge of how Congress works, it's a really good combo. I'll tell you what, you can check out that podcast. Really enjoyable to listen to. Other things that I like, uh, over the weekend, I have a three and a half year old, and she is just the most curious person in the world. She asks why incessantly, just like all kids do. I think the difference, listen, every parent thinks their kid is special, but only I am correct. Uh, my child, <laughs> uh, my baby, uh, is uh, when she listens to, when she asks why, she actually wants to know the answer. So this monologue doesn't really apply to her. But this is my single favorite comedic monologue of all time. This is Louis C.K. talking about children, and it is spot on. Here's the thing. I never, 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 never judge other parents now. I never do. I used to, but I never do. Like, you know when you see a mother in McDonald's or someplace or in a toy store and she's just melting down on her kid? She's like, shut up! I hate you! You're ugly! (laughs) And people are standing around going, oh my goodness, she's a horrible mother. Well, guess what? Those people aren't parents. They don't have kids. Because any parents who are in that store are thinking, what did that kid do to that poor woman? (laughs) That poor woman. I wish I could help. Because you don't know, man. You don't know. Or like when you see a parent that seems to be negligent. Like you're in, you see a parent in McDonald's with the kid and the parent's like, oh, I can't take this 
anymore and just like collapsed and all the shopping bags are just strewn everywhere and the kid's happy the kid's eating french fries and the kid asks a question like mama why is the sky blue and she's like just shut up and eat your french fries and you think what a terrible mother why doesn't she answer her child when i have a child i will answer all of their questions and open their minds to the wonders of the world well guess what you don't know what the you're talking about <laughs> you can't answer a kid's question they don't accept any answer a kid never goes oh thanks i get it and never say that they just keep coming more questions why 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 so you don't even know who the f you are anymore at the end of the conversation it's an insane deconstruction it's amazing this is my daughter the other day she's like papa why can't we go outside well because it's raining why <laughs> well water's coming out of the sky why because it was in a cloud. Why? Well, clouds form when there's vapor. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know any more things. Those are all the things I know. Why? Because I'm stupid, okay? I'm stupid. Why? Well, because I didn't pay attention in school, okay? I went to school, but I didn't listen in class. Why? Because I was high all the time. I smoked too much pot. <laughs> it goes on. It's fantastic. You should watch the whole monologue. It's the best comedic monologue of all time. I, I have to say, when Louis C.K. is on, he is the best. And his stuff about kids and family is really top-notch. Okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. So, first of all, Southwest Los Angeles apparently wants an Obama Boulevard. I am not kidding. Uh, they say that they are very eager to have an Obama Boulevard in L.A., which is not a listen. He's an ex-president, not a shock. I mean, we have, we have blocks named after all these other presidents. Uh, I've heard that the, the block will be filled with potholes. It will be extremely bumpy. It will go nowhere and end with a dead end. Um, it'll run directly, apparently, into a landfill. But, it's, um, but at least we can say it's great. Uh, it, again, all, all this kind of, the, the odes to Obama are really sickening considering what a bad president he was. And I like that the areas in, of, of Los Angeles that are legitimately some of the worst areas of Los Angeles are the ones that desperately need an Obama Boulevard. Okay, other things that I hate. Uh, I have to show you this picture of Mark Zuckerberg. So Mark Zuckerberg is in Iowa. What is Mark Zuckerberg doing in Iowa? No one knows what he's doing in Iowa. So apparently he wants to run for president, which will actually be the plot of Terminator 2, right? Skynet ends up taking over the world. What I need is a guy who has all of my personal information and yours, all of our thought patterns, running for president of the United States so that he can personally use all of that data to appeal to everyone. That's desperately what I need. Uh, I, I'm not worried enough about the government taking my personal data. I now need the guy who's actually coll actively collected all of our personal data, and I need him running for president. Listen, I love Facebook, but come on, gang. <laughs> if you're not a little creeped out. And then Zuckerberg going around in Iowa. I love this picture. He took this picture at a diner, and somebody tweeted, Mark Zuckerberg loves being a normal guy who casually chats with his fellow humans. <laughs> And the picture shows him talking to this guy who looks like he's just ignoring Zuckerberg. And then this woman behind the counter who has no interest in what Zuckerberg is saying. And Zuckerberg smiling like data from Star Trek The Next Generation at him. The roboticness of Zuckerberg, it's like he's young Hillary Clinton, uh, except somehow more robotic. It's, it's, it's really it's really impressive. And then he tweeted out a bunch of things about how he loves the pork sandwiches in Iowa or something. I love Iowa. 
why are you doing this? No one knows except you want to run for president. I, I tweeted yesterday, I'll have my vacuum cleaner run, uh, and my vacuum cleaner will beat him. It sucks less. It's just, just amazing. Mark Zuckerberg running for president in Iowa. Everyone can run for president now. Oh, happy, happy day. Only the best and the brightest. Okay, final thing that I hate. So this LGBT march happened in Chicago yesterday, and apparently this LGBT march ban people from flying an LGBT flag with a Jewish star on it. So first of all, I think there are a couple of inherent contradictions uh, between the uh, between Judaism and uh, and gay pride, number one being the Bible. Um, but beyond that, you know, let's assume that there are lots of Jews who are gay, because there are lots of Jews who are gay. It seems to me a little bit discriminatory that the gay pride festival will allow everybody except for the Juden. Uh, if the Jews show up with a flag that has a Jewish star on it, then they must be banned. And then they say, oh, it's because we hate Israel. It's because we hate Israel. But they were triggered by the Jewish star, okay? They weren't triggered by an Israeli flag. It was a Jewish star on a gay flag. But that was insulting because you never know. People might identify the Juden with Israel, and Israel's bad, so the Juden are bad. Again, tolerance only extends as far as the left wants it to extend, which is not to say very far. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow with all of the fallout from the Trump Care debacle. Uh, well, uh, not, it's not a debacle. He's going to pass it, I think. Uh, from, from the Trump Care developments and from the Supreme Court decisions and all of the latest news, as always. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.